Welcome to the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast, hosted by myself, Sebastian Bates, and Timothy Fair-Matthews. A podcast made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. We're launching our podcast with a series of raw but real interviews with some of the world's leading business mentors, industry experts, and entrepreneurs with incredible stories. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain. So if it's your first time joining us, make sure you go back to episode one and don't miss a thing as you listen to incredible insights from our speakers. This is the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. You're probably joining us live either on YouTube, uh, First and Ten Academy um, on YouTube uh, or on our Facebook group. I'm joined today by Raj Kotecha. Raj is a speaker, producer, CEO of Creative Content Agency. He's founder of My Friends, Your Friends. Um, you're co-founder of Vayner World. You've launched two of Gary Vee's books. You've collaborated with the Wu Tang Clang, and he's here today to speak to us about how we should be approaching coronavirus um, and how we should be talking about coronavirus in our business, as well as loads of amazing other things and how we can engage with our community and our tribe. So welcome, Raj. Great to have you here, mate. What's going on, man? How you doing? Yeah, good. Good to see you again. How's your week been? It's been beautiful, man. Just like back, back, back behind the camera again, back, well, no, back, back in front of the camera again, launched a podcast, uh, talking to a lot of people, just taking this quarantine time to reconnect and also upskill. I had a long period of time where I had people inside my organization that knew how to use my cameras and my equipment, new processes better than I did. And so it's just been reacclimatizing and getting my own skill level up. I think I was behind the, behind the boardroom table for too long and not, not in front of the camera enough. So, you know, getting back yeah. to the old. So you using this time really just to, to dig into developing new skills, picking up some of the skills you used to have and getting back into your values a bit. Yeah, man. Just, you know, shake, shaking up, just blowing off some of that dust really. Amazing. I, I started off, I started off as a, as a one man band and, and as a practitioner and then transitioned into more consulting and more advice. And so it's nice to go kind of back to the, back to the essence again. And, and it's, definitely going to put me in a better position to really know what I'm talking about even more on the, on the practical side of, of, of for the agency and things like that. So hundred percent. So to going back to the essence. So, so who is Raj? I mean, I've listed off some amazing things that you've done and you know, you've been, you've been around a while in the, in the game. Let's be honest. You've been, uh, you've certainly had an exciting couple of, a uh, couple of decades really, mate. So um, yeah. who, who is Raj? What are, what are you about? So at, at my essence, I'm, I'm a shopkeeper's son. I like, serving. I like business. I've from a very young age, I enjoy like hand to hand selling. So I grew up in a, in, in my father's shop in the eighties and nineties, um, selling sweets, gift cards, chocolates, bread, milk, eggs, usual kind of like Indian convenience store stuff. Uh, my parents are from East Africa. My grandparents are from India. So we're known as East African Indians. We're Gujaratis. So we're natural, like natural tradespeople. 1998, went to university in Manchester Metropolitan. It was the first year that they launched school fees. The first time that they had like the first year that they ever launched university fees. So I went to university, realized that there was a thousand pound debt hanging over my head. Um, thought, how am I going to pay this off? And I remember holding a flyer in 1998, in September, 1998. Uh, the flyer had a party that was coming up. I went outside, 
to meet the guy that was organizing the party. I said, if you gave me a few tickets and I sold them, could I come to the party for free? That was the beginning of my love with promoting parties and DJing. That's when I started. I had a bit of a head start because in my dad's shop, all I did was listen to music whilst I was sweeping the floors and stacking the shelves. I did a, did a degree in business and IT with management, wrote my first thesis in 2001 on mobile commerce and how mobiles and apps and banking and games would eventually take over the world. Got laughed at by every single person in my school because they were like, people aren't going to use the mobile phones. Like people weren't even using SMS at the time to give you some context. So they were like, people aren't going to use their mobile phones for... Uh, you know, surfing the web. But anyway, that didn't that didn't work out really in their favor. But what did work out in my favor is April 2000, there was a recession. The Nasdaq, uh, dot, the dot-com bubble burst. So I came out into the working population um, for a year or so working in the design and fragrance industry. Really what heart was still very much in tech, did a master's in technology management with a focus on acquisition and strategy. Uh, market was still down, went to Canada, ended up in the ringtones game, launched the first independent Ringtones portal in Toronto in 2003, 2004. Made friends with more of the hip hop community and the rap community that I knew well. Uh, people like Cardinal Official, uh, Director X, who uh, makes a lot of Drake's videos, music videos now. Uh, be became friends with Russell Peters, came back to London in 2005. Started working in the movie industry, helping them with their mobile clips pre-iPhone. Started doing parties for Russell Peters. So you know, there's two lives going on simultaneously here. There's the, the DJ and the hustler and the guy who's in, into entertainment. And then there's the guy who's working in technology. After that, 2007, worked for a publisher in Los Angeles, employee number six. 2008, the company sold for tens of millions of dollars. We were at 33 employees. I didn't know, but I'd actually been given share options as part of my onboarding. I got a small payout from that. Uh, we sold to The Guardian. It was a big acquisition because they were trying to get into the U.S., uh, 2008, I really doubled down on this agency model, the creative content agency, tried to tell everybody and their grandma that content was going to be the future and that social media was going to be the future. There were still remnants of, uh, of MySpace around. Uh, people thought that the acquisition of Google, like when Google purchased YouTube, that was a joke. Uh, it was, you know, this, these are the times that we're talking about. But I committed, I committed, I committed. I managed to connect with the e-commerce community and the e-commerce community was really supportive of my business because they needed lots of content to help them sell their golf clubs and their packaging and everything they sold online. Business went really well for several years, uh, grew, 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 ended up moving more towards professional services. Jump forward to 2005, DJing still going incredibly well. Uh, consulting side still going incredibly well. Cameras get better. Distribution of content gets cheaper and cheaper as social networks get on the rise. Came to Dubai in 2015, adopted really well by the business community over here. Spent the first two years half pregnant in Dubai. So like, I was here, but in any one year, I could be in 14, 15 other countries. 2017, really committed to the market here. Launched My Friends, Your Friends, started off with 15 people uh, that I thought would be interesting people that should meet and told them to invite along their friends. 11 events later, we're now at 3,500 people. Did our 10th event at Burj Khalifa. Um, and yeah, I guess my official title is CEO of the Creative Content Agency. A bunch of cool projects, as you mentioned, projects with the Wu-Tang Clan and Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, really, that's it, man. It's been it's been rapid fire, like no bad years, no bad months, no bad weeks. Just winning, hustling, going for it. You know, got some really won the DNA lottery, won the mindset lottery very early. Like always, thought from the beginning that I'm the greatest thing to ever walk the earth, and that has acted as a ozone layer for for all the stuff that can bring you down. You know, never really 
since high school, never been really effect, re affected by bullying, detractors, people telling me no. Um, I'm always trying to think. I always feel like if you think 36 to 48 months ahead, you're going to really defend yourself against like nowism and people people critiquing what you're doing now. And uh, yeah, that's it, man. Just a, a lucky dude, a lucky, fortunate guy and uh, and a privileged one because people like yourself choose to put me on your platform and, and take my two cents for what it's worth. So I'm very grateful. Oh. I'm very grateful for the for what you're doing right now. And I, I know it's going to make a positive change to people's lives. So well done on F10X Academy. I, I really, I really, you know, I mess with you guys in the heaviest way, man. Like I love F10 and uh, I really rock with you guys hard, man. So this is, this is one of the last few interviews I'm going to do for a while, but it's, it's, I, I feel it's a privilege to be on your platform. So thank you so much. It's a privilege to have you on, buddy. Really, really appreciate you know, you coming on, spending your time with us uh, this evening, just to help to help provide insights to the to the community we've got here. You know, I, like like you say, I think I think what we're what we're doing is going to help a lot of people. You know, and that's that's the motivation. And I think you know, Dubai is going through a massive change, um, as is the world, right? And and I think people in Dubai are feeling it because we're so globally connected here. You know, maybe maybe even more than a lot of cities around the world. Um, yeah. But coming from someone who's experienced lots of change, you've how many recessions have you been through now? 2000 Nasdaq.com burst definitely affected me because it made my degree and my academic career less worthwhile in the short term. 2008, I was in publishing. Uh, luckily, we that business got sold in July 2008 and the, the recession really kicked in around 2000, October 2008. So we were about three, four months ahead of it. So it was a good time to have some liquidity. It taught me that cash is a real savior when the market goes down. And then this would be the third one. Yeah. This could be the big one though, because the other two look like a trip to uh, a trip to like Madame Tussauds or Disneyland compared to what, <laughs> what, what the market's going through right now. But, but I can't, I can't say that. Yeah. I can't say that I didn't pick up any antibodies in that time. Like I've definitely got, probably got more resilience for the world that we're going through at the moment. I really feel for the people that are economically affected. And of course I really feel for the people that are biologically affected. You know, mm. I'm already aware of people that are losing parents. I already have loved ones that are dying and having to die alone in hospital beds because nobody can visit them because that's just the nature of um, the hospital and the healthcare system at the moment. And um, shout out to shout out to all the healthcare workers that are holding it down for us, man. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an incredibly difficult time, you know, for sure. I think what, one of the things that strikes me about you and, and a lot of our conversations in the past, um, and we've, we've had a few chats about recessions and, you know, you've, you've always come across as someone who's, very you're, you're real with it but you're very optimistic and you kind of see the you you approach it in quite a poised way where you see what's going on in real life but there's an opportunity within that right and um and you know you managed to pivot quite quickly in the past through these difficult transitions right so tell me a little bit about your mindset going into this as a global crisis going into this as a business owner um i'd, I'd love to hear about that the advice I would give on mindset is that the first thing that you can do to calm any anxieties and short-termism is to consider the window that you're analyzing something. If you're analyzing something over a 24-month window, especially the next 24 months, there's going to be a lot of turmoil. There's going to be a lot of uh, adjustments happening in the marketplace, both at a policy level, uh, a macroeconomic level, a human behavior and consumer behavior level. We're going to see the rule book gets scrapped and rewritten every every two to five weeks, I'm sure. But when you look at things in a five-year window, when you look at the future of uh, 5G, nanotechnology, 
nanotechnology, automation, healthcare. And then also the fact that I feel like a lot of governments, especially the UK government, isn't going to want to get caught with its pants down again in terms of its preparation for a pandemic. The, the, the National Health Service that's supposed to address, that's supposed to serve the health of the nation. If you say it backwards, National Health Service is to service the health of the nation to ensure that the health is well serviced, did not budget for this much throughput and for this much pandemia, like this much of a pandemic. And so I don't think that they're going to want to get caught with their pants down again. I think that the system that they're going to build is going to be more resilient and is not going to be about cost cutting and, and getting rid of people and not appreciating the people that glue the society together from a health, healthcare perspective and doing more for them. And so are we going to go through some short-term pain? Yes. It's horrible that it, staple to that is a biological element where we will lose loved ones. That's awful. Maybe me too. I've got asthma. You never know how it could go down. Um, but then on the flip side, over a five-year window, I think we're going to be in a much a much healthier position. But more than technology and more than economic and fiscal policy, I hope that from a compassion point of view, that we end up in a much better place as human beings. There's There's so much to be said for capitalism, but maybe less so in terms of compassionateism. I don't know. I'm just making that word up, but like compassion, like it, it, it's really, I, I really feel like that. I don't know what the word is. And hopefully somebody takes my, my, my really get away of trying to say that word and turns it into a real word. Maybe if you write it down, you'll know how to move the syllables around. Uh, but, but like, yeah, I think, I think that would be nice if we came out the other side a little bit more compassionate and a little bit more appreciative because one of my superpowers, and you can speak to anybody, including, you know, my mentors, my aforementioned mentors, there's, there's two things. There's the, there's the window that you analyze stuff. And then there's just your capability to process gratitude in the short term. I'm really grateful, dude. Like mm. I, I grew up in Manchester, seven people in a house. We lived in a two bedroom flat above a shop, went a lot of Christmases without presents, missed out on a lot of school trips, got, got accepted into acting school at 13, 14, 15, couldn't afford the summer fees, missed out on a lot. So to mm. be here right now, in an apartment where I walk outside and if the Burj Khalifa fell, it would fall on me. I'm that close. And it's like, uh, it's, it's just like, it's just real, man. Like I've, I feel like I want to, I feel like I want a really long time ago. Mm. It, it really stood out to me how you, you know, mentioned perspective and kind of stepping back and looking at it long-term. A lot of people who are, who are feeling overwhelmed and stressed by this, it's because they're looking too short-term, I think, you know, in a, in a lot of ways. And, and also, what you said about this shift to uh, compassion. You said compassionalism. <laughs> was it compassionalism? I like that new compassionalism. word. Yeah, that's it. We made it. That's the word. That's it. We that's it. This episode, compassionalism, I think. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, this is, this is an interesting thing because I was speaking to someone about this yesterday in, in an interview on a podcast. And, um, and, you know, kids are now at home and they're stuck with their families. They can't leave, especially teenagers. It was a conversation about parenting teenagers, right? And, People have wanted a change within the educational system from academics to more soft skills, a higher focus on emotional intelligence. And now it's literally been given to them. Now's your chance to spend time with your family and develop those kind of soft skills. And it's it's almost like this shift is is happening for a lot of people in that way. And um, so a huge, a huge opportunity to develop, you know, that, that compassion is going on through this, right? And this, there's always that kind of understanding there's this two opposing energies or forces going on all the time for every positive there's a negative and whatever size that negative is the positive is equal and and that kind of goes on throughout the world i, I feel would you agree with that 
Yeah, I, I agree with I agree with what you said there about about the two forces. Let me speak on the two forces the way that I see them. The year is 2020 right now, and it's definitely going to be one of the most remarkable, memorable years of of our generation. The behaviors that we're that we're required to enable within ourselves right now, however, are not only a 2020 outlook, but in many ways to survive this time, you need to have both a 2010 and the 2030 mentality at the same time. So let me explain. When you're 10 years younger, you know, you might be, you, you mentioned you're 30. At 20 years old, I don't know your history, but I'm sure there's a lot of 20, 20 year olds that are living at home, right? They're, 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 they're with their family, they're with their parents, maybe they go home between university semesters. And the ability to get along with those people around you and stay indoors because you've not got much money and so your truth is that you stay indoors. That's the reality for a lot of people right now. On the flip side, in 2030, is there going to be a lot more people working remotely? Is there going to be a lot more people working from home? Is there going to be a lot more people adopting e-commerce? Is there a lot more people going to be adopting telemedicine? Yes. So in many ways, the coronavirus has come along and taken a huge part of our life and pushed it back 10, 20 years. And has taken another part of our life and our behavior and aggressively moved it forward, accelerated it 10 years. And so we find ourselves in a situation where we need to both have these really important legacy skills that our parents and grandparents dealt with when they didn't have much money and they stayed at home, whether it be because there just wasn't that much stuff going on outside or they didn't have much money. Then you've got to live in a 2020 world because every day the decisions you make impact how, how this all plays out for you. And then you've got to live in a 2030 world where you've, if, you, if you are not, you know, our generation is, our generation is so accustomed to being on the cutting edge when it comes to e-commerce and Deliveroo and telemedicine and things of that nature. But for many people, that's not the case. You know, for, for 53 year old Beatrice who works in accounts, who gets a tremendous amount of anxiety at the idea of having to go home and log into the work system, this is really difficult for her. And so this is a period of time of adjustment. And I think this is the, these are the two factors that are playing, playing, um, they're playing a big role right now. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent agree with you there. So. You know, running running a business, taking a team through this. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on. It's it's not easy for a lot of people. As a, a business leader, as someone managing a team, how should you be seen and heard right now? And I, and I think that's that's one of the biggest topics, really, that you want to get into. And I think, yeah, we, I'd love to get straight into that and hear and hear what your thoughts are. The way you should be seen and heard is basically you need to decide what frequency is right to be seen and heard. So I've got a guy at the moment who is stuck in London. I'm doing my best to reach out at the very least by text once a week, if not jumping on a phone call and just checking in and seeing where they're at, where they're at headspace wise. There's a very real chance that that person may take this downtime because they're young and realize that they want to go into a different direction and adopt other skills. You know, that's very common. It's what I did when I was 25, 26, 27. I was bouncing around a lot. Uh, I've also got other people that are new to the business that are closer to my age and a little bit more grandfathered in because we've we've done bits of business before. So I would say that transparency is really, really important. It's really important to let to let your team know where your head's at. It's really important to find out if your team needs anything during this time. Um, one of my one of my team has had to take on a little bit more technical work than they normally would do. And so there's definitely been an opportunity to share skills with that person and level them up. But, but more than anything, I think it's really important to communicate to your team the truth behind their ecosystem. Like, where do they fit in to the value chain? Like, not the value chain in your business, but the value chain at a much 
broad in a much more broader sense as in you've got your clients above you they pay you you take that money you pay your staff they take that money buy other things do courses pay their rent whatever it may be and from our perspective on the agency side we've seen a, a, a aggressive downward downward curve on revenues not because we're a bad agency we're the best but the fact is that our agent the, the clients that we represent are not able to transact so one of them is a lawyer you're not able to go to court right now so that person's had to dial down what they're doing another place is a a five star luxury hospitality and f&b outlet they're not able to sell food or do events so they've shut their doors now on the flip side when it comes to that's when it comes to communicating to your staff when it comes to communicating with your ecosystem and your stakeholders one thing that i've really done and i've made a big point to do is i've told the brands that i work with and the final choice is theirs don't turn the lights off don't be a dummy and turn the lights off like at least keep the lights on the store may be closed and all the stock inside it might be on sale but if you want to keep your dignity during this time make sure that your shop front window is still is still looking good go out there clean the glass change the merchandise on a regular basis make people know what you're doing like make sure people know what you're doing so what do i mean by that i'm talking about social media i'm talking about content i'm talking about picking up the phone and checking in on your clients still keeping an eye on the things that continue to move in your industry whether you like it or not i'm in the content game it's important that i know about any changes happening with microphones radio frequencies cameras lenses things of that nature like don't turn the lights off and i'll give you a very real example before the lockdown happened i was walking behind the house here at the river uh, in business bay and i probably walked the whole of downtown boulevard here in dubai the main boulevard for those who are listening from outside dubai and then moved over one neighborhood towards where the water is which is business bay and as i walked past there i saw every i must have walked past 80 restaurants during that walk and they were all closed one had the faintest of lights on from a distance so i was like why would they leave their lights on like and i went over there and i saw that the lights were on and so i pushed the door and i opened the door and when i opened the door i could see the oven the the baker's oven was booming away like there was fire through the gaps in the in the metal and out comes this lady and i'm like are you working right now and she was like yeah and i said is your oven making fresh bread and she said yeah i said make me one then like make make me some make me some bread with like cheese and zatar and she goes okay so it took she goes it'll take 15 20 minutes and i was like you know what this is cool like fine take the 15 20 minutes i sat there del- delivery drivers came in and out and i paid 45 dirhams for those listening outside the the uae that's about 10 pounds and i paid 45 dirhams for some fresh bread uh, a, ca- a coffee and some sparkling water some perrier and then i walked back out and the only thing that this place did different was leave their lights on and amazing. it caught my eye and i went yeah. over and i think that's an amazing i think that's an amazing analogy for what businesses should be doing right now i love you that now you got to shut down but keep the lights on and the yeah. lights don't really cost much Mm. And I, I guess it all stems down to you know uh, we had JP on recently, and JP was talking about psychology of sales um, in the last in the last interview, and uh, you know what what he was talking about is very similar, I think, to what you're saying, which is basically keep that relationship going, right? Yes, yes, you know the transaction has stopped. You're not you're not exchanging, you're not trading right now in the same way you were, but you've got to keep that relationship going, you know, and, and be seen and heard, you know, with mm. with your with your with your customers with your members right yeah for real i mean what my my first response to 
this from a business point of view and from a marketing point of view. Obviously, we're a content agency, so we're going to make more content. I'm an enthusiast uh, behind content, so I'm going to personally make more content. But like the first thing I did was launch a podcast called Social Distance Learning because I was like, social distancing is the norm. Distance learning is something you can be getting on with. That's the name of the podcast. Been ringing people up, checking in with them, putting that out as audio content, taking a bit of time to give the same positions, the same advice that I give to my clients, giving it away for free on YouTube. And the Rajkatecha brand, personal brand machine, is running at a faster RPM than ever. Like it's, it's because, and you, you've seen how many brands I've been able to launch just off, off my name. Like you've got my friends, your friends, you've got Rajkatecha, you've got, oh, sorry, you've got Crowd9. Like when you and I first met, I was in a Shabazz campaign, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I was, when, I was, when I was in the campaign for that brand, I was doing nothing for my brand, bro. I wasn't doing interviews. I wasn't mm. out here doing anything. The only time you'd ever see me was at my friends, your friends. Otherwise I wouldn't even be out of the house. I'd be working. So yeah. if you imagine when I'm putting nothing on my brand, I can go out and get a campaign for, a, for an international like liquor company, like liquor brand and get covered in GQ or whatever magazine, Esquire magazine. So now when I turn it up because the market's down, I have to at least, I have to at least do what I was doing this time last year. Right. I have mm. to. So as the market goes down, I've got to fill that gap and fill that chasm with more heat, more creativity, more good advice, jumping on interviews, sharing with the community, checking in with, you know, the people that have really supported and people that maybe don't even know me that well or don't know my business that well and just reaching out and being like, normally I'm really busy, but now's a really good time to let you know what we do. If you need any advice, it's yours. Take it. Totally. Do you, would you say, I mean, based on what you said, this, this is, this is how I kind of feel that you are more connected to people since the lockdown and making a greater effort to connect to people. Um, and maybe even finding it easier um, now than you were before. I would say easier, but not not a change in effort. It's easier because I've been quarantined for the last four weeks. So even as a response to nullify my own boredom, I might reach out to more and more people. Mm. But I wouldn't say that I'm more connected. No. I mean, if you if you see me at my friends, your friends, the, the one that we did at Burj Khalifa, I probably hugged 250 people. And took really? six, took sixty selfies. Like my my connection game is real, and you've got to remember, like <laughs> you guys got closed down. I think so. I, I think I, I think I, you got closed down, didn't you? You weren't expecting so many to to rock up. The the, the no the the truth is that the valet was unable to take any more cars, which was uh, a, a, a dumb building. move by them. <laughs> Sorry, you need a bigger building next time. Yeah, we need a bigger building than the rooftop of the Armani and the Burj Khalifa for sure. Um. But, but, but you got to remember, like when it, when it comes to like my connections or the way I connect with people, like I said, I started off as a shopkeeper's son. So I sit behind the counter and John comes in and he needs 20 silk cut. And then Patricia walks in and she, I know what bread she wants. And then Lewis walks in and he wants to get some football gaming cards because he's collecting the stickers. Like I like that high transaction, high frequency. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? That's mm. in my nature. Then mm. I was a promoter like in Manchester. I was literally a flyer boy and I, I'm five foot six. At the time I was really skinny, had acne and greasy hair with the side parting because it was like the nineties. And in the middle of the rain and the snow outside the students union, I'll walk up to 15 girls, all which are way outside my league looks wise and be like, Hey, would you like to come to my party this Sunday? Like 
I I live for that connection. I'll fight. I'll put myself in a vulnerable position personally to make that connection with people. This was yeah. in and this was in the analog area, analog era when people weren't even sending SMSs. So if we're going back to that, but then you give me a smartphone in my hand, mm. the connection to go through the roof. I guess I guess what I mean by the the connections being easier is that I feel all the you know all the cards are on the table now. People are having to completely pivot and change what they're doing because whatever was working before has just stopped. So collaborations and partnerships, you know, people are making them daily, and I, and I, and I just feel the there's so much opportunity now with collaborations that ne they weren't necessarily there before because people were so preoccupied, right? I, I wouldn't agree with whatever was working before has stopped. I think it's dangerous to dangerous to do. Like, I feel like I, I've been saying recently that if you go by a rule of thumb, you'll lose your thumb. Like it, 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 there's a lot of stuff that works. Like the reality is prior to this pandemic, I would always make time to respond to you right on WhatsApp. And during this pandemic, here we are doing a video together. And after this pandemic, God willing, every time we reach out to each other, we're going to be there for each other. It might not be immediate. You might be busy. You might be in the thick of something. If you can't message me back for a week or two, that's cool. Vice versa, the same. That, that What's surviving this time, bro, is the most resilient, brilliant things that make us human beings. The need to connect. The need both ways. Both to be reached out to and to reach out to others. And the need to create things and present things. Why am I doing a podcast? Why am I updating my website? Because I'm trying to refurbish and re-merchandise the things that will empower my customers to talk about me. And those things have got old. My websites right now look pretty dusty because they've not been updated in a long time. All of my case studies, all of the clients I've worked with, Spencer Lodge, Nimi Meta, the Capital Club, none of that is on my website. So the fund my priorities are getting that right, getting those fundamentals right, so that other people, when they see that content, feel empowered to talk about me because before the pandemic, word of mouth was still the hardest thing in the world. Now word of mouth is the hardest thing in the world. And after the pandemic, word of mouth will continue to be the hardest thing in the world. So um, so one of the things we spoke about before was this survival versus growth mentality, right? Yeah. Could you, could you tell me a little bit about that? I think over the last 10, 12 years, it's been very easy to fall into a habit of growth and being conditioned into growth. We've seen tech companies and growth hackers uh, build their businesses up at rates that we've never seen prior. Now it's been enabled by technology and enabled by, by communications and smartphones and policies and things that help, but we've been really in growth, growth, growth mode. What you might, and, and growth, obviously much like any forward, forward inertia and forward momentum requires fuel. It requires time. It can require money. But I think what a lot of companies need to do right now is look at their cash position and be like, if we want to play a five year window game here, what do we need to do over the next six months? And if in the next six months, you don't double or triple your business, if in the next six months, a client that you've been working on closing for the last six months, you don't close them, that's fine. Like in the last 18 months before my, before my business, the agency side of the business hit a wall, we'd grown five times revenue in the last 18 months. Now we're probably down 80%. So we're kind of back to the first quarter of our trading again. So what are my priorities? If I deploy the same strategy that I did during the good times, my fair weather strategy into a bad weather season, which is now, that money's not gonna ROI for me the same way. 
So 18 months ago, when the business was growing, 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 I might put $5 into the business and it'll kick back out 10. But if I put $5 into the business now, it might kick back out one. Yeah, hundred percent. So my whole yeah. thing is, okay, what do we need to do? How, like what, from an OPEX point of view, what are my operational expenses? It's going to be basic salary, maybe reduced salary, no additional investment in equipment because we can't go on location and shoot and things of that nature. And maybe if we can just continue to keep our base costs in order, use it as an opportunity to upskill because the market will swing back up. A lot of businesses will have been washed away. That means that we're going to come back into a very different supply demand dynamic. There's going to be a lot more demand and very few people able to supply. And so we're then going to have a cash upswing. If anything, it could actually end up choking us because there'll be more demand than we can handle. But for now, it's not about growth because the ROI on a dollar is not the same as what it was in fair weather times, which was as recent as three months ago. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of what you're saying, I totally agree with when, if you can sustain this throughout the next, you know, four to six months and you can keep your, your heads low, you know, keep that mindset of you're surviving through this no matter what. And, um, you know, on the other side of this, if you've been seen and heard throughout, you're in a much better position to kind of relaunch, right? Yeah. What do you think? What do you think is kind of going to kind of be the outcome for a lot of businesses here in Dubai? Do you do you see this this being something which is going to leave Dubai with a lot less businesses opening and running, or, or how do you kind of see it playing out? I think I think I think one one thing that makes it really hard to answer that question from my perspective is I've not really had the chance to check in with as many business people as I probably do when I'm outside every day. So do I know of any businesses that are closing? As of now, I've not heard of a single business that has chosen to close its doors. I think it's. I think that the, the UAE is a great market. I think that we're already seeing things from a policy point of view that are going to empower entrepreneurs to stick out this period of time here in the UAE. And namely the fact that visas will continue to be applicable all the way through 2020 is going to give people a lot of relief because to the best of my knowledge, if your visas run out in July, you've basically got like an additional five months there where you don't need to, to cash flow that, to cash flow that additional investment. So do I see businesses leaving? I guess we're just going to have to see. I don't have a, a solid answer for that. I probably mm. see, I probably see more salaried employees feeling the pressure than I, than I see businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Because with a salaried employee, it's very, it's, it's much more of a linear binary relationship with income versus outgoings, right? It's like, this is my salary. This is how much I pay rent. This is how much I pay for my kids to go to school. These are my fuel costs, my insurance costs. This is how much money my partner needs. Basically that's that it's, 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 yeah. it's a lot more linear. Whereas I think as an entrepreneur, you're like in, in any market, I would say, you know that you're going to get the, you're going to have to play the, play the rough with the smooth and you're going to get rough times. I actually feel like looking at the, the charts of infections versus deaths and a number of other statistics from that point of view, that the UAE is faring pretty well. Hmm. The UAE has done pretty good. I mean, we're not, we're not in triple digits yet on, uh, on deaths and God willing, we don't end up there. Um, I would say that, you know, the weather's good. People generally here lead, lead positive lives. We're a, it's a very obedient society here, which means that we're not seeing any of the things that we were seeing in, in America with people going out and protesting so that they can carry on living their normal lives. They, the, the, the connective tissue mentality between 
the economy in biology doesn't seem to be as strong, you know, in the US and the UK as it is here. We kind of understand that we have to stay at home for the well-being of society. And if there's one thing you want in in Dubai, it's for society to get back to an enjoyable place sooner rather than later. Mm. Because living when 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 the, when the times are good in Dubai, it's one of the best one of the best places to be. Period. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've often thought that you know, definitely. Um, you know, you you've spoken about healing as well with me before, and and how that was. You know, you spoke about survival and growth. What about healing? What about it? Well, you you mentioned that was something you wanted to talk about in terms of how businesses approach this and their mindset around it. And you know, is, are there some tips in terms of that how a business should kind of heal from oh, this? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So what, when I talked about surviving through this period and healing, yeah. It, it, uh, okay, I understand. I apologize. Yeah. So uh, what I mean is that when you are running at 100 miles an hour, one of the downsides, one of the ironic downsides of an up market, is that you're running so fast that you're basically, it's like you're running through a forest, right? And you're doing really, really well. But occasionally, though you don't realize it, the odd poison ivy will scratch your arm or the odd branch will cut you or the odd snake will come up and bite your ankle. But because you're running forward, you're not realizing that all these things have happened to you. So you might have not had the chance to look at your bookkeeping protocols. You might have not had a chance to go through your cloud storage and get all your files in order. You might have not had a chance to upskill and you wonder, hang on a second, why are people talking about these other companies around me? What do they possess that I don't possess? Oh, they're doing what I do plus AI. Oh, they're doing what I do plus robotics. Oh, they're doing what I do, but with the sustainability angle. But because you're going forward so quick and sustainability rose its head since you started sprinting, you don't stop to learn about it. And so what you're able to do is to say, okay, look, I've, I've been meaning for the longest time to get all the health insurance policies adjusted and improve them. I've been meaning for the longest time to get a true cash flow projection in place or look at my last six months, month on month profitability or compare my year on year growth. Well, now you've got time, you can do it. And let me not sound like a corporate schmo because I know a lot of the people, when you put this podcast out, I'm going to send it to a lot of my hustlers and artists as well. I'm talking to the DJs. The DJs have now got time to get those 200,000 songs that you've got in your Soretto box in order and file them and make sure that your, your sets are ready for the future. The, the, the break dancers that have been dancing on an injury, but they continue to dance on an injury because they're like, I'm going to keep dancing until Ramadan and then I'll heal up then because the market's still up and the clubs are still popping. have now got four additional weeks where they can rest their cartilages or their elbows or their shoulders or their necks and get better. Healing is both in a literal sense and in a, as, as an analogy for things, for little scabs and cuts and bruises that the business picks up it's scared to stop its momentum to address those things. Now is a phenomenal time to address those things. Amazing. I love that. I love the, I love the metaphor as well of running through the, running through the jungle, getting bitten, not realizing what you're going through. And then and it, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are kind of just addicted to growth, right? They're just in this growth mindset all the time. And a, and a fundamental part of that, just like when you're training the body with anything is giving it time to heal. So it's almost like a natural pause for your business. So yeah, you can the, focus on some of the other stuff. The, the coronavirus is a, in many ways is the ultimate metaphor for, for what business is going through. Like think about it when you're going hundred miles an hour, most people, the first couple of days of Ramadan, 
whether you celebrate or not, if you if you're part of this culture here in the UAE, Ramadan is a chance to slow down, a chance to reflect, a chance to work shorter days, a chance to spend time with your family. And a lot of people like us, a lot of the hustlers, the first two, three days of Ramadan, much like the first two, three days of the Christmas vacation, is just getting a flu. It's just everything catching up with you. It's coughing up all that stuff. It's sneezing up all that stuff. It's needing two or three days in bed to sweat it out. That's what's that's what I'm talking about. Take mm. the opportunity right now to let all of those things that have been slowly, slowly chipping away, you damage them. Take the opportunity to turn around and address them. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant advice. Um, you've got some really good questions actually, mate. Do you mind if I run through a couple of those? Yeah, please. How many people are watching? I have no idea. Uh, we've got a bunch of people on YouTube and a bunch on the Facebook group as well. I don't know if you can see at the top. Shout out to everybody on YouTube, Facebook, all of the, let me hit this live comments. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've got this a bunch is of crazy. comments. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Shout out to everybody who's engaging. Right. I much love to all you guys. I just flicked over and saw the comments now. This is awesome. Big up everybody. So we've got, um, here, let me, let me, let me, let me pick a couple if, if that's all right. We've got one here from Sabrina and um, what's the best tip to adapt currently, Raj? Best tip. Try everything. <laughs> Literally just take that whole, take everything that you think of that you, that you've neglected, that you would like to incorporate in your business, whether you want to become you want to become more mindful. You want to become more compassionate. You want to become better at doing the numbers. You're really good at, uh, you're really good at framing, but really bad at lighting, or you're not particularly good at negotiation. You want to learn, do it now, go over to YouTube, check out some of the best people in the game, go over to audible, get yourself a free subscription, start downloading audiobooks, And also don't forget about interest skill transfer. Think about all the people that you work with in your own organization that are so much closer to your job that if you had time, you would like to drill some of their knowledge out of them. And they, in fact, would like to give it to you. But because they're so busy in their chair doing their job and you're so busy in your chair doing your job, you never really get a chance outside a coffee break or a Christmas party to really talk and share knowledge in a meaningful way. So the best way to adapt right now is start off with starters, just little bite-sized tasters of everything that you thought was good for you. If it works and it's easy, double down, double down again, double down again, and you'll start adapting really quickly because what you end up with is much more resilience, much more adaptability. And those skills don't forget. I call it a one-way street. You can't unlearn some of these things. If you need to adapt, that's going to benefit you whether you, that you can apply the adaptation or not. It's still going to benefit you in this job, in this career, in this decade, once you've got it in your head, you're ready. Mm. Brilliant. Great advice, mate. Really good advice. Um, good question here. Guys, just a quick one. When you're, uh, when you're commenting this, there's a, um, there's a link in the description from StreamYard saying, allow StreamYard to access your Facebook. And it lets me see your names just so I can shout out to you um, and, and talk to you direct on here. Uh, so Facebook user here <laughs> has said, uh, what's a top, what's a top skill you knew earlier in your business career? What's a skill that sort of benefited you earlier in your business career and it's benefiting you now? I've never answered this question before. This is the, this, if you peel back all of the layers of the onion and you get really, really, really to the middle of it, this is the one skill 
that I had, and I'll tell you how I learned it, that has honestly made me who I am today. And if you're a capitalist or you're, you're about your money, has made me a crap ton of money. Manners. I kid you not. I remember when I was 13, 14 years old, it was the first time that my dad ever really let me go out because 80s and 90s in Salford being a brown guy, not always the safest. And uh, I managed to persuade my dad that there is a conference, not a conference, it was like a trade show for speakers. You know, like hi-fis, car stereos, things of that nature. And the train station was outside my dad's shop and the conference was outside the train station that I needed to get to, a train station called Deansgate in Manchester. So I explained to him that, look, I'll be, when I leave the house, I'll be at the train station in five minutes. Once I'm on the train, when I get out the other side, it's a five minute walk, I'll be at this place. I really wanna see all these new speakers. I wanna see all these new hi-fis. So he lets me go and they've got a double-decker bus inside the conference and inside that double-decker bus, the whole double-decker bus is kitted out with speakers. So I'm having the time of my life. First time I learned about JBL and all this other stuff. So I got a little bit of money to go and get some lunch. And I went to the cafeteria there at the, at the conference center and I got some food and I remember getting some food and I pulled up with my tray with my items on the tray. And there was like the equivalent of like a catering lady, like dinner lady style person at the checkout. And I said, oh, just this please. And she said, okay, whatever it is, two, three, four pounds. I said, thank you very much. And I don't know if that was grandfathered in from like my days as a shopkeeper. So I spoke to people the way I like to be spoken to by my customers. And uh, she looked at me and she goes, you know what? You've got amazing manners. You're going to go really far one day. And I was like, thanks. And I was <laughs> like, wait, wait a second. That's just me speaking normally and the way I was taught to speak. And yet that really, really resonated with her. And what happened is it became a cheat code. It almost became like when you're on a school picture and you stand up on your, on your you stand up like, what, how do you say that? When you stand up on your feet like this, what's it called? On your tiptoes. It became my tiptoe trick. So when I, when I spoke to everybody, I'm really, really nice. Now I was anyway, so it wasn't something that I, it's, I didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a modification, but I made sure that I never let that go. And I made sure that I'm always really kind, uh, always, always say, please always say thank you wherever possible. I'm human. I make mistakes as well, but like that really has become one of the things that has absolutely it, to, to answer the, the brother's question or lady's question, like that's the top skill. You'll mm. be surprised the ROI of manners. It will blow your freaking head off. Totally. I, I guess that's just the initial step of building rapport, isn't it? You know, and, and having having people get on with you. And that's the first step there. That was a question from from Sam Drake, I think. Um, so, yeah, awesome question, uh, Sam Drake. Uh, Sabrina says, thanks for the tip. Um, let's have a quick look, see any other questions we've got. There's a lot of questions here, yo. I know. Let's, let's all the way through Maybe we do shorter answers, but all of them. <laughs> no worries. Uh, what, in your opinion, of expanding your horizons in terms of sales channels? And um, one thing that has hit us all is the realization that we got too comfortable in our zones. Would you say that we should perfect what we're good at or start looking at other avenues of sales? Both. Let me explain to you why. Because you have time. So both of them require you to upskill your knowledge. You're not going to become... You're not gonna build out other sales channels unless you take some time out to learn how to do so. You're not gonna upskill unless you take some time out to learn so, learn how to do so. So 
by giving both of these different names and different definitions doesn't serve anybody and it definitely doesn't serve you. So here's how you do it. When it comes to upskilling, I already answered Sabrina's question. So I hope that helps that person with regards to just take a start off by taking little tasters of everything and then do more of what seems to be resonating with you. With regards to sales channels, one of the things that's made me a ton of money in the past is understanding sales paradigms rather than channels. The channels sit underneath the paradigms. I'll give you some examples. Number one, if you're not selling online, is there any option anywhere in the world to sell what you do online? If anybody's doing it, you can do it too. And if they're doing it in another country, then that doesn't affect you. It's not competition because your hyper-local version of it, your Dubai version of it is still going to resonate better than somebody else's. Number two, partnerships. If you're used to selling hand-to-hand, one-to-one, start looking a little bit higher up in the value chain of the ecosystem of the community that you sell to. And rather than selling one by one, two by two, three by three, what are the associations? What are the networks? Who are the committees? What are the clubs where you can sell in once and they can represent your product or your service to people en masse, to dozens and dozens or hundreds and hundreds of people? They would be the, num- the, 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 the top two things I would look at doing. And actually 2.5, Three, I would say, would be bartering. Go out there right now, start talking to other businesses and be like, in monetary terms, what I offer is worth $6,000. Because for me, the cost is $3,000 and I sell it for six. So there's a $3,000 invisible perceived value margin there. If I came to you right now, potential partner, what have you got that costs you three that you sell for six? Because now if we barter and we exchange, we're not exchanging the invisible value. We're just exchanging our cost. So that means both people win because your cost will always be three, but the retail value of what you get back is six. And for the other person, their cost will be three, but the list price value of what they get back will be six. And once you do that two or three times, boy, that is addictive because the ROI is wild, wild. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Brilliant. Um, another question here. We've got this looks like quite a good one, actually. Um, is it being creative or competitive right at this point in time? I mean, who are you going to compete with? I'm creative and I only compete with myself. That's as that's that's the one line yeah. summary for me. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, but it's like when you say both, you're talking about two different skill sets, two different... Yeah. I mean, competitiveness is a frame of mind and creativity, depending on who you are, who you talk to, nature, nurture, a little from column A, a little from column B, who knows? So how how about reframing that question to, is it more important to create or consume at this moment in time? Again, about education and using this time to upskill. Yeah but also using this time to, to get yourself out there and, and to create content. And you, you would say find a balance of both, right? So let me describe, let me describe the room I'm in right now. The room I'm in right now in front of me is a 16 inch MacBook, And I'm talking to you at 11 o'clock in my, in my line of sight is a camera. And at two o'clock in my line of sight is my flat screen TV. I do not know how my camera works because the young people in my business know my cameras better than I know them. So I look at the TV. I type in, how does this work? What's ISO? What's aperture? What's white balance? What's all of these things? I go over to the camera. So I'm consuming the knowledge and I'm immediately implementing it into my creativity. 
These things are not mutually exclusive. And what the mainstream world tries to do when it comes to education and a lot of the BS entrepreneurial content that's out there, it tries to pigeonhole things and put them into categories. The reality is it's all a jigsaw. It all You don't do either or in all cases. I am waking up in the morning and before my feet have touched the bed, before, the, before my feet have touched the ground outside my bed, I have a podcast on. And then when I come into the living room, before I even look at the table and what I want to eat, I'm already fiddling with the camera. They're intertwined. You don't need to do either or. Unlearn everything that people have taught you about, is it this or that? Is it A or Entrepreneurship and hustling is not multiple choice. It's freehand. It's much more of an essay than it is just a button pushing exercise. Mm. And it's an essay where you need as much tipex as you need a pen. You need a pencil and you need an eraser on the other side. Because as you write this essay, you also need to go back and self-correct and course adjust as you go along. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I can see that. It's it's almost in my mind, it's a bit like as long as you're directionally correct with everything you're doing, right? You're 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 trying to bring a whole bunch of different things in the same kind of direction. Rather than just trying to pick one thing and just doing that, you're you're herding goats. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And right now is not a really, I don't think it's a particularly healthy time to hedge your bet and be like, well, I'm going to come out of this coronavirus by doing X. Mm. That's really dangerous. That's my biggest criticism of all these like entrepreneur coaches and all these other people, which are just like, here's how you do this in a pandemic. Here's how you double your sales in a pandemic. Here's how you grow your business during a pandemic. Yo, last time I checked, none of these hustlers were around during the Spanish flu. Mm. <laughs> so unless you, unless you really, really have been there before, you're just giving me hypothetics. And guess mm. where I've got infinite hypothetics? In my own head. <laughs> I have no shortage of hypothetical outcomes of my business or the future of business or the future of the market. Plenty, infinite supply. So I don't need somebody else giving me their hypothetics. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, completely, completely. <laughs> We've got another question here. Um, what's the most interesting experience you've had so far during this pandemic period. I can't see your name, so if you could type your name um, in the comments just so I can um, relate that to you, that'd be awesome. So what's the most e interesting experience you've had so far during this pandemic period? Yo, this is wild, yeah? Now that I'm back in learning mode and consuming content and I've gone from teacher to student again, I have been having back-to-back -back multiple epiphany orgies. <laughs> I kid you not. I am like, I will listen to a podcast in the morning, read an article right after that, take some time out and sit on the balcony and think, have a conversation with you, talk to one of my homies in Nairobi, speak to somebody in America, and then watch another, watch a YouTube video with some conspiracy theory in. And the way that they all come together and fuse just causes this like climax burst moment where I'm like, yo, that's where the market's going. I got it. And I'm having them on a daily basis. I'm like, why are you having them on a daily basis? This, what's causing that? Is that the environment we're in? Or is that the fact that you've now got my, time to, to do these, to look at these things, recent things? The, like many people, I want to know, or I want to have a solid guess as to where the world is going. So I feel not anxiety, maybe curiosity as to what's next. So I'm always mm -hmm. like, how does this play out? Okay, this policy has just changed. How does that play out? Trump has now stopped all immigration. Okay, cool. How does that play out? How many, how many computer scientists and engineers in Bangalore that were three months away from getting their green card 
and moving to the United States are now going to stay in Bangalore. And guess what? Bangalore is a lot closer to Dubai than it is to Silicon Valley. Mm. What's in it for me? So now let me start looking at interviews and podcasts where people are talking about the supply demand curve when it comes to talent. Multiply that by the fact that there's remote working. Multiply that by the fact that silicon might now start being produced in India or Brazil instead of China because the Chinese trade war led to a 7% import tariff. And now we're talking, we're beefing about where did the virus come from? Like you factor all these things in your head's like bang, bang, burst, burst, whoa, 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 whoa. And that is probably the most incredible thing about this pandemic is one, the curiosity to move forward and research and look for answers on these questions, multiplied by the fact that I've got the time to go down the rabbit hole and investigate these things, which normally would mess up my short-term money because I've got clients emailing me and people just doing my head in saying, I need this, I need that. What about this? Can you check this? Can you check that? What hashtag should I be using? Is this copyright? Can you re-edit this? Now that has just stopped. And so to answer the question specifically, the pandemic has allowed me to do that. And the outcome is just this, these constant hits every day. My poor cousin, Vikash, who I work with, I've worked with him for maybe 15 years on, on, the, on the music business as well, is getting phone calls from me all the time. And I am going Kanye West on the phone every time I call him, bro. Every time. What, what I mean, actually, let's take him out of the equation. We don't know each other that well, right? We've hung out. We've had a few drinks. I respect you. I know what you do. But like, what have I been like since the first time you ever met me? In, in which way? In that energy wise. Uh, from the first time I met you, super interesting guy, always wanting to connect, uh, very easygoing, great manners. <laughs> now, now, now put, now behind that, put an additional engine. And that engine is just phenomenal rest. Mm. And then stick another engine on the back of that yacht as well, which is just like hyper creativity and relaxation. Nice. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a supernova right now, bro. Like a twin engine. Don't know. <laughs> just, just, just twin engine. I'm in a good place, fam. I'm in a real good place. Oh, man. It's good really, to hear. Really good place. <laughs> amazing, man. Um, listen, mate, that was an absolutely amazing interview. I think we're gonna be, we're going here an hour now, so I'm just gonna to wrap this up gradually. Um, what is your message to business owners in Dubai? If you could just say three things um, to sum this up, your message to business owners in Dubai. One person, not one individual person, has the whole answer. But as a whole, collectively as entrepreneurs, we have the answer. So please do things right now to connect, to build communities, to design committees and advisory boards and people that you trust, put them on WhatsApp groups, set up a Slack channel, make sure that you are both giving what you know as you pick it up and receiving what other good people are prepared to teach you because there is a multiplier effect there. You'll end up in a situation where one plus one plus one equals five. That would be tip number one. Tip number two, adjust your time frame. And if you're like me and your time frame is naturally skewed to a five-year window, I have to eat my own advice there as well. And I have to force myself to reduce my five-year window down to a two-year one. What you can't do is get so comfortable at looking at the five-year game 
that you forget the two-year gain. You need to look at both. So if you if your natural default is short-termism, unstitch slightly, go wider, start thinking medium and long. And if your natural viewpoint is long or medium, bring it down a little bit, start looking at short-term. When we are all allowed to start walking around outside, whether it's for a couple of hours a day or just for a jog or whatever, I am going to go to every population dense metropolitan area in Dubai, whether it's um, JBR or any of the other neighborhoods, Karama, the downtown area, Business Bay, DIFC, this is my backyard. And I'm just going to walk and just take the energy in. Combine my exercise with how many shops are open, how many are closed, how many are boarded up, what are people wearing, are there any tourists here, which ones are stuck here? Where are they eating? What are they doing? We know what the vibe is. We see it every single day. So it's very, very easy to notice the differences. Number three should have been number one to me, which is we're all now at the very top of like Maslow's pyramid. Like take, be present, take care of your loved ones, whoever you care about. Your family might be a bunch of assholes and you might not want to talk to them. Cool. But there's somebody who you can extend a bit of compassion to. There are a lot of people going through it right now. Like I'm super privileged. I'm sat here surrounded by a hundred thousand dirhams worth of high-tech equipment. I'm chilling, chilling. Yet I'll sleep better at night knowing that I've checked in with somebody today who may or may not have the same things as me, but might just appreciate the company. I can talk to nobody for 48 hours, 72 hours, not speak a word, not use my own voice. And I'm cool. I'm my own biggest fan. I've got a built-in studio audience inside my head at all times clapping for me, telling me I'm the best, but that's not the case for everybody. So there's always going to be somebody who's got less. Just try and reach out, hit them with that compassion. What was that word we came up with? Compassionalism? Yeah, compassionalism. Yeah. Love it. Own that. Amazing. Really, really appreciate this, Raj. Brilliant interview, mate. I think our guys watching this on the on the uh, YouTube and also on the Facebook group got tons of value. So really, really appreciate it, mate. And where can our followers here get a hold of you? Where can they follow you? Um, and learn more. Tip number one is that my DM on Instagram, which is at Raj Katecha, R-A-J-K-O-T-E-C-H-A, you'll see it because the, the team would have tagged me on this video stream, that my DM, my inbox on DM, is the same as hitting me on WhatsApp or SMS. That's the number one best place to get me because at any one time, there'll be five, six, seven messages that that need to be responded to. I take time out every single day. It's addictive to me. Like It's like a... It's like a video game. I always hit everybody back. And then another thing to do, if you want to be really, if you really want to connect is inside the DM, send me a one minute voice note. It helps me so much when I can hear your voice, the the texture, the tone, the cadence. I can really understand what your priorities are and I can answer in a much more meaningful way. And I'll send you a voice note back. However, caveat, that doesn't mean send me 15 voice notes, which is what everybody tends to do. Unless I say it, send me one, one minute voice note. Let me know who you are, where your head's at, and then we'll just kick it off from there. That doesn't mean that we can't do 15 back and forth, but just hit me like this, you know, let's ease me in a little bit. And if you message me on there, then I'll message you back. Most people are shocked by the fact that I do message everybody back. I do. I take great pride in it. And if I can help everybody, help anybody, I will. And I, and I just wish, I wish everybody and their family and their loved ones uh, the best of health and, and over the next 24 months, 36 months, we will turn a corner and, and I hope that we can all, you know, come out the other side and, and celebrate and enjoy life together. Amazing. Guys, 
That was Raj. Amazing interview. Thank you so much, buddy. You know where to get him. It's Instagram. Send him a one minute voice message <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll make sure you guys have his, uh, his Instagram um, in the comments of this um, YouTube and Facebook group as well. Cheers for coming on, buddy. All right. Peace, peace. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to be the first to get access to our live interviews, then head over to f10x.com to apply to be a part of our online community. 